0: Hey everyone, welcome to Expansion Cast. I am your host, Roger Metz. Expansion Cast is a magical podcast I created so people could find simple or unconventional solutions to expand their personal awareness and experience. It is dedicated toward revealing people's divine truth and how that divine truth works its way into the world one by one helping liberate each of us on our path to personal sovereignty. And today in the studio with me is a brother and friend who is doing just that. Francis Lee reveals how his journey with surrender is key to love and how walking the edge hand in hand with surrender has impacted and continues to transform his relationships, freedom, and life. I guess we're
1: kind of talking about the surrender experiment, aren't we?
0: Yeah, we're just going to talk about you and how, how uh, you're exploring ways to expand your experience of life and how those uh, experiences and, and I guess those, those, uh, the things that you're doing are helping others grow and expand also.
1: Wow, that's that's the perfect topic because uh, I was just watching this movie called The Professor with Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a college professor, and he finds out he's dying, or he's got terminal lung cancer. And, um, and the movie is basically about what he does differently now in life. Um, and he just starts letting go of a lot of things and just really starts to live his life the way he wants to. And as I'm watching the movie, I start to realize, wow, that's what I'm doing. That, uh, since I've started this surrender experiment, it feels like I never really lived life fully before this, these last two years, especially this year. And it's just an astonishing feeling to feel that in my life. Yeah, and, and you're right And the question about how I'm expanding my life and expanding it to others... Uh, it's just incredible how, how my, my expansion affects other people's
0: expansion. Yeah, so like when I first I, I met you a few times and, and I never really had too much of an interaction. but uh, and, and that was mostly because of how I guess the events that we were at were uh, coordinated. So we didn't get too much of a chance to really meet each other until we went to a, a friend's move, going away party, hey? And it was interesting because I was sitting at home and I was like, "Francis, I got to talk to Francis. My intuition's telling mm-hmm. me, you got to make a connection with Francis and some he's got something, some interesting information for you or whatever, or maybe I had something for you." But so I went there, and uh, yeah, we had a, an, an amazing conversation about uh, surrender and your your story and how it started. And it's interesting to hear, hear your stories now as it's been growing and moving along. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could go on forever. What pulled you into wanting or desiring to start doing Surrender? It was basically just the
1: book inspired me. Um, it's as really as simple as that. When I read that book, I just felt like, wow, what a, um, what a profound way to live. And I've never done that before. Um, when, I've probably surrendered to things. Like, a lot of people I tell this story to realize that they have actually surrendered to things before in their life. But it's it's a whole other level when, on a, almost a daily basis, you're, you're consciously aware of all the opportunities to surrender to things. And um, it's almost the first thought that comes to my mind whenever I'm interacting with somebody. Um, that I'm actually surrendering, surrendering to them, I'm surrendering to their offers. And, and then when that happens, it feels like the universe has said to me, I was just thinking about this this morning, uh, what I would say to you, it's like the universe has said to me, Francis, you're getting it, you're figuring this out about uh, an expansive way to live in life. And now because you've got it, the universe will send you all these amazing opportunities and um and it's almost bizarre some of the things that <laughs> happened to me and it just never stops and the way i describe it i don't know if i told you this story it was like i was at one tetra event and i was sitting outside on the lawn with this woman and i was explaining what this was so it's like i picked up this piece of blade of grass and i says you know take a look at this blade of grass it's it's got its own particular shade of green it's got its own particular and textures and by all rights it's a fairly um it is a unique blade of grass there's not another blade of grass like this anywhere in the, in the universe but this my whole life i have thought this one blade of grass is what would bring me happiness this this very particular one and i have searched for it and in the moment i kind of surrendered to letting go of that being my source of happiness I would drop it and then all of a sudden realize oh my god i'm sitting on an entire field of millions of blades of grass all in their own unique way and and then also the whole universe just opens up to almost infinite possibilities that i don't need to go chase this one blade of grass anymore and i think that was kind of one of the big ah ahas i had that that led me down this path was letting go of my attachments and specifically one particular area, which is the area that really, I think, is the most important thing that humans experience, which is love. I let go of what my attachment to what love should look like, should be like, should feel like, and um, and all the, the kind of definitions and boundaries and structures that we associate with what love is. And I just decided I'm just going to open up to every possibility. And as much as I can, or, or as I have been able to. And, and I think that has what really transformed my experience of life, expanded my life, um, expanded my heart, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, would you say that uh, through surrender, for some reason, it gives you the opportunity to learn the things that you don't know, you don't know?
1: Yes. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a friend that's in my men's group meeting and I just love this uh, quote that he, you know, he just made it up one day. He says, we we're just talking about stuff. And he just looked at me and says, Francis, you would be amazed how much I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've always loved that. And it's a really good good way to live just to just to embrace that.
0: Yeah, to be, to be in a space where we can drop into... The present moment. And it's, it sounds weird like saying the present moment because the present moment to me changes over time. Because at one time, the present moment was just like, you know, being with you, looking at the screen. And now for me, the present moment is so much more. There, it's this very specific point where everything is happening all at once. And I'm experiencing not just the conversation with you, not the nuances of it, but I'm also experiencing the colors of the walls, the painting beside me, I'm experiencing the light come in the room. I'm experiencing the vibration of everything around me in its um, essence. And for me, when I move into the present moment now, it can become emotionally overwhelming and in a way that brings me joy and gratitude and awe, so reverence to everything that we experience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I think
1: um, yeah, being in the now, in the moment of now is, is an important part of being in the surrender experiment. Because if I, if, you know, with these offers that I get, um, <clears throat> if I go too far to the past, or, even, or actually, if, if, literally, if I even go into the past or I go into the future, um, and I stayed there, I would not surrender to that off. Yeah, yeah. So surrender is helping you stay in the present. Yeah. Well, I've got so many stories about that. I'll, I'll tell you the most bizarre story that's happened to me. I like bizarre. I, I don't know if you've, you've been reading some of my Facebook posts, but uh, yeah. I just came back from New York. And the way that started was about six months ago, just literally out of the blue... Uh, an ex-girlfriend from fifteen years ago um, starts uh, contacting me. Um, and I hadn't thought about her for a long, long, long time. And you know on the phone, one of the first things she said to me was she apologized for being malicious to me during during our time together because for me, that experience is like it was, it was like a black being in a black vortex.. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> I lost who I was, and in fact, it went the opposite way. I started feeling really bad about who I was, and I started believing a lot of the things she said about me. And um, and what she basically apologized for is for doing that to me, is that she, she purposely did that to me because she was angry at men, and she wanted to push me away from her. And she did that by making me feel bad about myself, by constantly, you know, coming down on me. And, but she said throughout the whole thing that I loved her perfectly, that she says she's never been more perfectly loved by anybody than me. And, and that's what I always felt. I that. I never knew what was really going on. I just knew that I just kept loving her, but it felt really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... Um, but then well, that was so long ago, I had to let go of that already. I kind of knew that that was, you know, it took years to figure that out, but I eventually knew that she was um, doing that out of um, fear and anger. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how often that happens on this planet where <laughs> someone from 15 years ago that you had such a tumultuous relationship with comes back into your life. Because we never really ended it well. We never had it come completed in a conscious way. And so I was, I knew right away, this was a surrender experiment. And I just surrendered to it. I just kept saying yes to every offer that she made. And the so big offer was, do you want to go to a chanting, uh, workshop in New York with me? And, uh, I didn't think about it. I didn't even know, really know what it was. <laughs> I just said, yes. And so, you know, off we go to New York. And in general, the entire trip was just astonishing. The experiences, the experiences that I had, uh, I would never have had because I'd, I never actually wanted to go to New York. Uh, if you had asked me before that, if that would be one of the destinations I'd want to go to, it'd be the last place probably. And I was not attracted to anything about it. But because of the surrender experiment, I said yes. And it was pretty weird because we, you know, we had to share a one-room apartment together in pretty close quarters yeah and that's a perfect example of being in the moment all the time because if i had gone to the past i would never have gone yes <laughs> because i would have thought oh my god are you kidding francis all that stuff that we, i went through with her it's probably going to happen again or whatever or or if i went to the future wow what does this mean what if you know what if she thinks that we're going to get back together again all that type of stuff right mm-hmm but I always stayed in the moment. But eventually, we did go back to the past because a lot of the same behaviors that I experienced with her came back. And um, and at first, I just said, okay, I, this time I'm just gonna go to humor, and I'll just just whenever she brings up those old behaviors of anger uh, and judgment, um, I'll just say, well, uh, to myself, uh, I'm just gonna treat it with humor and see how that goes. So it worked quite well for a while, but eventually it kind of wore me down and kind of halfway through the trip. Um, I reached my, my limit with that. And so then we had to talk about it and, and then she went into kind of the old, full blown release of anger. And it was the first time since we had, um, been in a relationship uh, with anybody, it was my, my stomach went into knots. the the anger that came out of her and she doesn't even think it's anger she'll just you know outright say it's not anger and this time i decided to to go to a different place because i knew uh later on i realized what the universe had did had done was said uh, hey francis if you truly believe this new thing you're exploring which is loving in the moment and letting go at the same time i'm going to I'm gonna give you your ultimate test because this woman is actually also the perfect mirror of my mother. <laughs> because my mother, my mother was exactly like that, right? Mm. And so that's why this was such a bizarre surrender experiment. It's, uh, and I knew I'm, an, I'm totally in the flow of the universe now, that the universe decided I was ready for this. And so right in the midst of, the, of this woman kind of ranting on with all her anger, um, I just decided to go to a different place because my old place was just run away, like I did with my mom. And I just said, I just looked her in the eye. I just told her, I loved her. And, and I truly felt that because I could feel all her childhood trauma. And I felt that in my heart and I thought, rather than, than go back and forth in an argument about who did what that, I just said, I love you. And then it just stopped. It was like magical. And um, so, so what stopped her, her anger,
0: hmm.
1: um, because I just sat there listening to it and my stomach was going to nuts. And I thought, I'm going to change this. And I just looked at her and then I said, I love you. And then it was like, she didn't know what to do with that. And she just stopped. And it's like, all of a sudden, she, all this stuff just released from her. And, um, and she said, I love you too. And that was the end of it. <laughs> it just... <laughs> I mean, it was going nowhere before because it was just this, oh, talking about this and that. And she was getting angrier and I was just starting to feel worse about it. But the moment I just went and dropped into love mm-hmm. and let go of who was right or wrong, it just ended the whole thing. Having said that, I still can't be around her um, because I think after all these years, if this is still happening, it just it just kind of feels toxic to me but i can still keep my heart open to her and for me it was a great experiment just to um, just to be able to drop into love and mm-hmm. it seems to solve a lot of things
0: how could you liberate yourself from feeling that toxicity how could you drop into a surrender that would somehow allow you to let go of the toxicity that you feel
1: yeah like in the future if i was to yeah. hang out with her yeah Yeah, I don't know how that is because um, that's toxic. Shouldn't you just be evolved enough? Or shouldn't that be an opportunity for you to evolve, to to be with them and to see if you can move past that? And um, I kind of think, yeah, I could choose that, but I actually rather choose (laughs) being around the loving people.
0: (laughs) It's so funny that you just had that experience because I, I pretty much had the same experience with a friend too. Uh, with a girlfriend. Tell me about it. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I felt attracted to hang around with this, uh, this woman. And so we started hanging out. Um, we weren't getting into much of a physical, uh, anything sexual or anything, but we started hanging out and really just getting to know each other. And interestingly enough, I started noticing anger and judgment and all these things that I felt were maybe a part of an old lifestyle of me, you know, things that I used to sorry, An old lifestyle of you? Of me, yeah, like an old mirror of me in a way. And uh, I found the more that we hung out, uh, the more she was like letting go of this facade of kindness and gentleness. you know I started to, to feel that you know drip away and her authentic raw anger that was seething anger that was she was hiding for so long was starting to come out and she started to trigger really easily just asking her simple simple questions about uh, like why are you doing this and then all of a sudden she's like flippant and angry and I and I'm like it's just about triggering me, but, you know, I'm, I, was, I was happy because I was at a place where I can just be loving and see that all that anger is coming from a limitation, a belief system of hers or some experience or some trauma. And I could see that and I could experience that. But at the same time, I still felt uh, a need to push away. a need to save myself so I didn't feel victimized. The last day we hung out, she, she became uh, emotionally hostile. Uh, so I, I quit hanging out with her and I told her, I says, I can't have this. I, I, I don't want to be in this environment, basically. Well. And it was hard. Um, hard for me to pull away from that because I felt I felt like I should be able to be in that toxicity and still be loving and kind and help her purge it. But then, at the same time, I'm in a relationship. Anytime one person wants to be the healer, it's no longer a relationship. It's not. It's not. It's not a partner relationship. It's now like a coach-client relationship, and that's not what it was about. So I had to move away from it, and I'm still talking to her a little bit, but I'm, you know, I got, I've, I'm managing it now. Like for me, it feels like she wants to take over like so he wants to take over my energy and and all of a sudden i start feeling like i'm not me and i'm starting to feel like i'm giving away my authentic self for her expectations for her expectations of who i am and who she wants me to be it's kind of a strange place to be so that's yeah, kind of my experience mm.
1: yeah i feel that it's almost uh, kind of an identical situation with this woman i'm telling you about I suppose the thought that comes up with me is that, that you said you said uh, that you felt like you should have been able to be in that, that toxic environment with her, mm-hmm. uh, or something like that, that there was a, a kind of a self-analysis that maybe, you know, that you, you could have some kind of um, emotional, spiritual strength to allow you to be in that storm. And I had the same thing. And it, it actually came from my mother for over years, she kept telling me to, to stay at my job in all industry. And I just paid it. And, and she would tell me things like, yeah, but Francis, you know what? A, a spiritual master can work at, in, in any environment. He can work, be a ditch digger. you can be around people who are or this and that. And it always kind of made me feel like, wow, yeah, she's right. Uh, you know, that's what I strive to be in my life is to be more and more involved. <laughs> So yeah, she's right. I'm going to stay in this <laughs> oil patch and, and I'll, I'll use it to evolve, right? It was only like, oh, I don't know, 10 years later, after she started doing that, that she actually admitted she was just manipulating me because she was scared that I would leave the oil industry and, and lose my high paying job, which meant that she wouldn't feel secure if I didn't have that high paying job to eventually take care of her with that money. And I, hmm. and, went, and, she, and she said that, there was no apology whatsoever for doing that <laughs> all those years. That was just unbelievable <laughs> to me. And I go, what? All those years I was thinking that. And you know, a bit of that still in me is that this pressure on me to be more and more evolved so I should be able to handle anything. And so when you ask me, is there a way for me to, to be in the presence of that, of that darkness, Um I think that's been one of my biggest lessons in life lately is to let go of that. But No, I don't have to. I can actually choose light. I can evolve in light and I don't need to evolve in darkness. And I'm going to give you a great example of this. Um, so there's this other woman that I've been um, relating to, and I can't even tell you what the relationship is. And that's one of the things I've let go of. Uh, So I can't define the structure of it, but all I can tell you is that we both really love each other. I'd have only ever seen her physically, maybe four or five times. That's over a span of probably, you know, I don't know, about six or seven months. And and she's got a really big childhood trauma. She shared that with me the first time, uh, well, actually our first date. And our first date was a, was a four to five hour puja, just one-on-one. On one. And uh, it was an amazing way to get to know her. She, she was really courageous to do that with me. And, and I think that's one of my definitions of love now is just the ability to trust another person and be vulnerable and, and show them who you are. And that's the thing I love about her for... For all her, um, her challenges with her childhood trauma and the way it shows up in her life, uh, which is mostly not being able to be with me, uh, she, she has so much fear around being with me, being accepted by me, and so many other things that we hardly ever see each other. Yet the times that she does find the courage to be with me, I'm absolutely blown away by the effect that I've had on her. Simply by just loving her for who she is and just being patient with the whole process, and I can go for, oh, or we can go for like one or I think it's been one and a half, maybe even two months without any contact, and then and then it will just start up again, and we'll just feel all this love for each other. So, so the big aha's two of them were, one was that she, one day she just said to me, Francis, I love you so much, you have no idea how much your patience, your loving kindness has helped me heal from my anger towards men. And I had no idea she was right, mm-hmm. that there was times I thought, oh, I think she's completely forgotten about me. And, and then the other day, we actually did spend a week, uh, a day together. We went to this event together. And, um, and she told me that, oh, I said to her, I said, you know, I love the way you communicate with your kids. And it's so evolved. And she looked at me, she says, where do you think I learned that from? I, says, I don't know, where is this you? And I go, what? <laughs> yeah. And you know, for the, for the amount of time that we've spent together, which is so little, I, I just found that really hard to comprehend that, that I've had that much impact on her and she says, the way you communicate with me completely inspires me to communicate the same way with my kids. And so, oh, so getting back to, to my main point is that this is such a great story for me in terms of being able to love somebody who has had um, just as much trauma as the other woman I told you about, but we, we practice relating together in light and love not in kind of darkness and toxic anger right mm-hmm. and um and i'm going to just choose that <laughs> i'm not going to make any apologies for making that choice uh, because I, I have lots of that in my life now i i have another woman who just last night told me that um she was an alcoholic and and i just told her i love you for all of who you are and uh, and she, she smokes too i I let go of that. I, I've never had anyone in my life that smokes. And in this surrender experiment,
0: mm-hmm. I've
1: also let go of, yeah, she's just a, she's a different blade of grass and because she smokes and she's been an alcoholic, but oh my God, the, the, the laughter that I experienced with her is just out of this world. I just looked at her and was, we just start laughing and, and we have these amazing conversations about life. And she's one of those blades of grass that I would never have met if I had hung on to that first blade. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what I love about being single, and I I think your stories are all kind of alluding to this, is because I get to experience women in their their authenticity. It's interesting because it, it felt like when I was in a relationship at one time, I had to be careful about how I interacted with other women. Like, I also have a, a woman friend who is a drinker and a smoker, and she smokes weed, and we laugh like crazy. But that's oh. it. That's our relationship, right? I love hanging are out we, with her.
1: Are we living parallel lives here, Roger?
0: I don't know. She's a cowgirl, cow but, yeah, I just love hanging out with her because she just makes me laugh so much. We both laugh a lot. But that's, that's what the relationship is about. You know, that's a, that's, that's it. It's not going into a full monogamous relationship or anything. Um, And then I have uh, the one I talked about earlier. I, I, I love her too, but our relationship is about, I think it's about, it's about learning our own powers. You know, it's about that, that third chakra. It's about learning to respect our boundaries and push our boundaries and different things and respect ourselves. Um. yeah and I just have I have a lot of a lot of friends a lot of girlfriends that we all we interact differently each one of us and it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful how each relationship evolves and, and the things we learn from each other
1: yeah it actually I mean that sounds like you're describing my life now and um, and I think all those people um are the other blades of grass because when you, when you said, yeah, this woman that I laugh with, um, it hasn't evolved into a a full blown monogamous relationship. As soon as you said that, I also felt that, that there are times where I kind of feel like, yeah, I'm not in that either, but I recognize that to be the old paradigm of what I thought would bring me happiness. And you know what, and I've been there before. I've had the full-blown monogamous relationships, but I gotta tell you, uh, even though I don't have the intimacy that like the sexual intimacy that, that I had back in the, in the full-blown monogamous relationship, I am so much happier now because oh, the richness of the connection I have with all these women. And, and you know, the, the big difference is that I, I don't pursue sex with them. It changes everything, but this is, this is my experiment for the year. What if I, I have a good friend, Mike, and he's in my men's group, and we've talked about this, how having sex with someone changes everything. And I would never have been able to have this experience if I sought after the old paradigm, which is I want, I need to be in a monogamous relationship and, uh, and to have sex with them and, and that's it because Usually in that situation, I have no female friends anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, They they all disappear. In fact, usually even male friends disappear. Everything gets focused on that one monogamous relationship. And now uh, I have, you know, no fear around telling each woman what I'm doing because I'm not having sex with anybody. And so, you know, the woman I was with last night, um, she reads my Facebook post. She knows who the other women are in my life, what I do with them. I went to New York with other women. Um, and it doesn't seem to change anything because I could. I, last night I just told her, I said, I love you for all of who you are. And it feels so freeing to be able to say that because there's no attachments um, to the old way.
0: Well, do you get worried about uh, the other people creating attachments to you when you say... Do you love them?
1: Uh, no, I guess I never have. That's interesting. Um, why don't I? I have to think about that one. It's it just, I've, it's never crossed my mind uh, because I don't think it's happened. I mean, the one that, the one I told you about, the mother with the two kids, well, she's, she's told me that she's polyamorous and I don't, I don't know if she practices it, but, um, haven't really, I don't really ask her what other men she's, well, I mean, she tells me she hangs out with some guys. They do this or that, or she went to, you know, out of town. And I don't actually ask, well, you know, are you having sex with this man? Because I, I don't have an attachment to mm. her being mine, you know, or anything like that. So I just kind of go into the moment of it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Maybe I don't worry. Oh, maybe that's the answer because I am in the moment. I don't get worried whether they have an attachment to me because that's maybe more of the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's anxiety and it definitely would pull into the future. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. One thing I've done, like, I I don't know if people know, but, uh, so I've always been kind of doing uh, surrender stuff. Um, but after I met you and you told me about the book and you told me about some of your experiences, at that moment, I went and bought the book right away and started reading it. I said, okay, I'm going to do this surrender experiment, and I'm going to drop in. And man, I tell you, I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be. And all the stuff I was going to see within me, that was actually causing me to not surrender in so many ways, and limiting my life and my experience. One of my fears was a fear of failure, a fear of being homeless. So what I did uh, about two months ago, I had an opportunity to go volunteer at Arches in Lethbridge, which is uh, the injection site, so drug injection site. So we go volunteer and we walk around the downtown area, handing out water and granola bars and interacting with the homeless people and the, the people who are struggling with addiction. and. You know, I had so many emotions in me, especially the first night, like going out, like fearful emotions because of all the stories around how unsafe it is to walk around downtown back alleys and different things because of these people that are out there. And my first night I met, I met a few of them, but not too many. Uh, It was a slow night. The second night I went out, which was a week later. I met some of the most colorful people and Mm -hmm. seen some of the most interesting things that I probably have in my life. Like watching a woman shaking like crazy, sitting underneath a carport downtown. Um, She's got a glass glass um, straw in her mouth and she smokes. um, I don't know if it's crack or whatever it is, but, uh, She smoked it and then all of a sudden she just zen right out and she got up just like uh, she was normal again. And it was just, it touched me like to see these people that are hurting so freaking badly that they've, that's all they can do is to hang on through doing a drug. And then, you know, the stories like, you know, just stopping and, and talking to some of them and hearing their story and, you know, and over time getting to know some of them and, and seeing them really appreciate the fact that I can stop and, and sit with them or talk to them where so many people are afraid of them. And my fear of being homeless is completely gone. It's, oh, it's like it never existed. It was replaced
1: by, it was replaced by love.
0: Yes, right? so, yeah. And compassion. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. That's a beautiful story, Roger. And yeah, if, I, I, in my heart, I'm hoping that I can bring something to them by volunteering. I don't know what, but I mean, I don't want to be the hero, but I think I want to show them that I can accept them for who they are.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. It uh, makes me think about uh, Harlem. When I was in New York, my, my friend that I was with uh, was doing, she's a psychic, so she was doing a reading with a client in, in Harlem. And my only thought about Harlem was probably just from the movies. I've never been there. And the last time I even thought about it was probably, I don't know, when it's such a stereotype. I I mean, it was maybe Shaft. I don't know. I think if that was filmed in Harlem. You know, it was just like TV stereotypes. That's all Mm -hmm. I ever was exposed to in Harlem. uh, And it was always portrayed as a really dangerous place to, to live. But yeah, I I, wow, you know, I think with a surrender experiment, without even thinking about it, it just takes me to the moment of now. I've never realized that until maybe during this conversation. Um, how did I get there where I go to Harlem and just immediately have let go of any attachments to what it should be or shouldn't be? Because I'm in this constant state of surrender. So so I we go meet her client and I says, well, you know, they're going to be about an hour or so. I says, I'll just... I'm just going to wander around the neighborhood and I'll be back. And I felt nothing but safe there. And, um, and you know, I'm around in the corner and this old lady comes up to me. She just starts chatting with me. And I start chatting with her. And um, and I actually didn't know why she was standing on the street. It turns out that she had, a like, a, a table there. She was selling, you know, some stuff on it, right? And so we're just... <laughs> <laughs> You know, she's asking me where I'm from. And, and you know, in that really entertaining accent. Um, and I just asked her, I said, do you mind if I take a photo of you? And she says, and she looks at me really seriously. She says, oh, is that a good thing? I said, yeah, yeah. And I just enjoy talking to you. So I mean, when you see the picture, there's, just, there's still a look of her being puzzled as to why I would want to take a photo with her. But what I wanted to do was I wanted to capture those moments of, of just loving human interaction, right? So as soon as I leave her, uh, I mean, she did ask me for a dollar to take the photo, and I was really <laughs> happy to do that. Yeah. Because I, I know she's trying to make a living there too, right? So, um, anyway, so I, I go around the corner and, you know, they're all those, um, like, what do they call, brownstone buildings where they're all connected. To, there's no space between each building.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And all in all of New York, there's no lanes. So everything is on the front step. That's where people hang out. That's their that's their front and backyard. Um, that's where you drop off the garbage. That's where people do deliveries and everything happens on the front step. Right? And so as I'm walking up, this this guy comes out and this huge smile comes over his face and, and the way that black people talk, uh, it, just, it just lights me up when they talk to me and I can't even duplicated, but he, he just looks at me, and he says, "Oh, that hat that looks good on you. Right. And he's just walking out of this building. He's never seen me in my life before. And I look at him, <laughs> I just start laughing and I said, thank you. And I just, I just, I, I had this moment with where we're just locking eyes and just both of us smile at each other just for this one moment that he would say something like that to a stranger out of the blue. Right. And I thought, yeah, I love this place. Right. And but my friend. She couldn't stand it because I got to get out of here. You know, uh, I can't be in this place. It just feels dangerous to me. And so that's the two different places we're at. So near the end, I thought, okay, I got like 20 more minutes to kill here. I can walk in the neighborhood. And I noticed that a lot of people were just sitting on the front steps to their apartment buildings and that's where they're hanging out, which also told me that probably there was a lot of unemployment there. And I think there's still a lot of poverty there. So I thought, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same thing. So I sat on this particular front step, which is where her client lived, and I was just gonna take photos of all the people that walked by and just capture who lives in Harlem, right? And um, and it was a beautiful moment. I, I I did that where I could just see all these people and um, just feel who they were just by taking their photos and you know, yeah, just feeling connection rather than judgment about the place or anything. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So, it's a beautiful space to be in isn't it it is yeah
1: oh and i think that's the. yeah thank you for saying that because that's the point of what i'm our readers trying to get at is that i don't know what it is about the surrender experiment but it has a lot to do with love in fact it feels like that's that's the main theme when you start to surrender to things is that that just love just shows up everywhere, and and I, I just feel like I'm in the flow of it. But I just feel like I can feel love everywhere now. It's just it's all the other blades of grass, right? And you know, one day I might have that monogamous relationship, but in this moment of now, it doesn't matter.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this moment of now has brought me so many so many beautiful experiences with people, and also like I do coaching and I do energy work and some hypnosis stuff. So it's it's so bizarre, but my coaching practice and hypnosis practice, you know, putting it all together has evolved so, so much since I've surrendered. And when when we're in a session, we're moving into this beautiful space of love and bliss where this essence is emanating in the space that is so healing. There's not even any word for it. I can't describe a word for it. But my customers will experience something beyond anything they've ever experienced. And I I, I think you experience it too. Um, It's like this ecstatic love for everything. It's like we become part of everything in the universe. It's like we are God and God is everything. I don't know how to explain that any more than maybe... It's, it's, it makes life worth living. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I. Um, that's one of my meditations that I do is gratitude. And one of the things that I say out loud to myself is that I am God, undifferentiated, and I am also God, differentiated. I don't know if you know what I mean by that, but it's essentially that sort of God, uh, the aspect of God <laughs> that is just simply God itself. And then there's God that has split itself off into and differentiated itself into our individual souls, so that it could forget that it was originally just undifferentiated.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I believe I know what you're saying because one time I, I read something about uh, I read about Shiva being all that existed, and then Shiva was like, I want, you know, I want to experience more. So Shiva just basically blew himself up into everything that we see, so that right. he could that he could experience life as us. So every experience that we're having, we're having it so that Shiva can experience something.
1: Yeah, because it's imagine if you were if um, if you were in the state where all there was was just you, there was nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be really hard to understand what it's like to be you, unless you understood what it's like to not be you. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of a cool concept,
0: right? Contrast. Yeah. We need contrast. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so um, that's our journey as humans. Is, it's actually our job to forget that we came from one source. And then it's our purpose to, to, to have that experience so that we can go back to now and then experiencing what's like to remember that we're all from one source, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and in a way, oh, that, that angry friend that I told you when I went to New York, she, she told me something really quite profound, is that um, sometimes I'm kind of hard on myself, expecting myself to always remember that I came from one source, uh, which, is, which is that same feeling of I should be evolved enough to be able to handle this and this and this, right? So she told me this story and I can't remember what the name of the person is, but it's kind of like one of those, um, ascended masters, like maybe it had some kind of Indian name. And this, this ascended master had been incarnated on this planet, you know, hundreds of times and spent many lifetimes here. And one day this person is, uh, interacting with some people and he gets angry because of this interaction with these people. And he's so disappointed in himself that, oh my God, I've been, I've been here, how many lifetimes and they still get angry over stuff like that. So he goes to his master and the master says, here's the story. And just starts laughing. He says, no, do you really think that you're ever going to get over some of your, your, your challenges and your issues? says you'll never get over them. All you can hope for is that each lifetime you have better tools, you have more consciousness, and you're better able to deal with these challenges with love rather than fear. Right? And, and I love that story because it, it allows me to let myself off the hook from being perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. What I love yeah. about that story too is it uh, reminds me that uh, if we're trying to get over something, we're giving it power instead of just mm. accepting it. It's like it's like trying to get over shame. If, if we're trying to get over some shame in our life, we're automatically judging ourselves in some way by saying that there's shame to get over.
1: Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. So, so. How,
0: how can we accept those moments and those traumas and the shame or whatever it is, how can we just fully love that part of ourselves as ourself that is... In a mode or an area of transformation at that point.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that shame actually—it's most people just look at the shadows side of that, but the light side, I think, is when you feel shame, you're typically a sensitive person who cares about others, Mm -hmm. right? And why do I say that? Like. I think a lot of shame comes around from what um you could have done better with other people um you could have loved them better you could have um, not being um mm-hmm. you know say as reactive you know those types of reasons to be shameful um I suppose there's all sorts of reasons to be shameful, but those are the ones that come to my mind right now. But um, but there's always a light side to that. The light side is that I think that if you're feeling that, that means you're sensitive to other people's uh, needs. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I suppose it depends on the type of shame. Um, I feel that some of my shames have been tied to belief systems about how I should be or should not be and accepting those but once I let go of those belief systems and those stories, uh, yeah, the, the shame and, and just accept myself, it start to disappear.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess the, no, the other thing that I wanted to talk about with the Surrender Experiment that, that I'm experiencing now is abundance. Um, I suppose it's, it's related to the Blades of Grass story. I just really feel that once I Once I started surrendering to life and and the universe and and things that show up in my life, and people that show up in my life, I've had this really beautiful feeling of abundance that I just keep getting sent so many beautiful experiences. And it's just made my life so much richer. And, and, you know, one of the first stories that comes to my mind was when I was in New York, uh, we went to this ecstatic dance. And it was just oh, out of this world, 300 people at this dance. And it was held in this massive, beautiful church with the uh, uh, architecture. It was just out of this world. And they had one person committed to, uh, uh solely to a light show on, on her laptop and it was just continuously changing images on top of the altar. And you know, it was just such an amazing experience. And, and so then. After that, we left and we went to Washington Square. And it was truly a city that never sleeps. It's midnight now. And Washington Square, which is like an outdoor park with a fountain in the middle of that, was filled with hundreds of people. It was was, was really unbelievable how many people were out that late at night on a work night, like Tuesday night. Mm And uh, just started wandering around. And this uh, duet was performing. And they were really good. And I thought, oh, I still feel like dancing. So, so I stood beside them because I didn't want to block the view from the, all the people watching them. And I just started dancing by myself and, and I kind of felt, oh yeah, well, it's an easy transition from dancing from the, that big room of 300 people to dancing here, but I could still feel that it took uh, a little bit of, of courage to dance in front of all those people because typically. Very few people dance out in public, and um, so I just started dancing. And then, then after that song was over, the drummer leaned over to me. He says, uh, "Why don't you do dance right in front of us? You don't have to dance beside us." And I go, "What? Really?" He says, "Yeah, I want you. I want you to dance right in front of us." Right? He "Okay." So then, so then they started playing uh, "Hallelujah," their version of "Hallelujah," which is just beautiful. I like, get so picture this, this: is a clear night washington square this beautiful fountain in the background and they start playing this rendition of hallelujah which is so moving and i'm just feeling it and then out of the blue this woman sees me dancing there and she she joins me and we just end up having this beautiful dance together uh, in front of all these people watching and so afterwards i you know i introduced myself and she tells me she was at that dance i was just at the 300 people and when she came out she saw me dancing there she says if i hadn't seen you dancing there by yourself i would never have done that she said and i don't know it's just that's just another thing that just there's so much abundance in my life now that's just and it's not just abundance of things but it's mostly experiences like beautiful experiences like that uh, i was on cloud nine just from that experience of Having that synchronicity happen with a complete stranger and have this beautiful dance—it was like a Hollywood movie for me. Really, it's <laughs> mm-hmm. so amazing. So yeah,
0: I love synchronicities. I love when I'm flowing and and everything is just like boom, 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 and it's just it's like sparks are igniting everywhere.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. Tell me a story about that.
0: Um, I mean, just little things like, you know, I went to yoga a while ago and. And uh, the yoga instructor, had, who I'd never met before, as far as I can remember anyway, we went uh, in this yoga place, they have kind of a place for tea after. So I went in for tea and she was there and we started talking and just the the uh, energy between us was just blew me away. It's like I could feel just like all these sparks happening and that compassion and love and all this stuff. but you know the, the old me would tie something to it tie oh, oh. it's got to mean this or it's got to mean that and this new me was like i don't have to tie anything to it i just have to be in it and yeah. you know we 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 both experienced this and we and we talked to talk about it and we just said oh let's just let's just be in it while we're here and just experience that the vibration of that bliss i mean we could we could just stand in front of each other at that moment and just look at each other and it was you know the energy was just beautiful and it was just in that moment because i seen her last week and and that moment wasn't there it was gone and you know oh our interaction was different so it was very it was very awesome
1: huh interesting yeah. um i feel like i need to tell you another story then, about <laughs> kind of relating to that right yeah yeah because because when that happens to you the the old the old person that and i wow you you and i are living parallel lives now because the old me would have said oh you know i i need to ask her out because she could potentially be that that one blade of grass i'm looking for right yeah and then i would be in the future right yeah i would have an attachment to what that is now having said that though then this is the story i got to tell you is that one of the things that's happened in the surrender experiment is that i have let go of the fear of, of having what i want and asking for what i want and so and it all came from one from one puja where i was with a woman and we had the practice of asking for how we want to be touched so as she had never been to a puja before so um, so i says okay i'll go first i said and i thought oh this is my perfect opportunity to really push my boundaries. So I'm going to ask for something that is kind of really over the top, like as far as like on one end of the spectrum was I going to ask for this complete stranger. And, and so I asked her if she would like to get into yab-yum position with me, uh, which is basically. I, she says, what's that? Well, I says, well, see that couple now that, so yab-yum position is when the woman straddles the man face to face when you when the man's kind of sitting on the floor and right? she's got her legs wrapped around your back and so basically my my face is basically probably depending on how tall she is at her neck level or something like that and, you know when her face is a little bit higher so that's what happens when you get in the position and, and your chest is basically in contact with her chest it's a very intimate position mm-hmm. so she looks over at the couple and she says oh my god no i can't do that I is great okay so we were taking turns and I would go on uh, to keep asking for what I wanted. So I says, okay, how about if I hugged you from behind? She said, uh, no. How about if you hug me from behind? No. Um, and then, uh, and then it just kept on going for, for about four or five minutes. I kept asking her for what I wanted, uh, bringing, bringing the request, you know, more and more to the other end of the spectrum <clears throat> to finally. I got to the point where I said, okay, how about if, and I held my finger out, my index finger, I said, how about if I, if you touched your finger to my index finger, that's how I want to be touched. And she looked at me, she just started smiling and we both laughed at the same time. We both said no at the same time, because I knew that's what her answer was going to be. Right. And, and I knew that was like a milestone in my life because from that moment on i was never really scared to ask anybody out again so what i've been doing now since then is that um with your story about the woman the woman in the yoga class whenever i feel an attraction to a woman uh more often than not i have to have something to go on if i if i don't feel that there's a mutual attraction to say it's just for my end then i don't bother but if i feel there's a connection that's happening right away then I'll just ask them out. And, and one of my favorite things to do, which is just almost outrageous is the first date is to do a puja together. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, you know what, why not just ask for that? Because once you start doing that, oh my God, I, I just, I don't ever want to go back to just meeting for coffee anymore because what I do is, um, they, they say, well, what's a puja? I just, Well, Typically it starts off with what we'll do is just Mm eye-gazing. And then after that, then we'll do a dyad. And my favorite question for the dyad is, uh, what is your experience of love? And, and I've done this with probably, I don't know, five or six women this year. And, um, and it's always been the first date. If you want to call it that, (laughs) I don't even want to call it a date, but it's the first connection. right? Right. And it's beautiful, and it's like <clears throat> love happens in the first four hours that this happens, because what happens is that uh, when you ask that question, it could start off at a very kind of uh, safe, comfortable place. You know, it could could be uh, talking about what they love about their job, say, even though that's never happened. But you know, something that's kind of safe to talk about, then I'll come in and I'll just talk right away about love with my parents or what that experience was like, or with, uh, with other people in my life. And I'll talk about the, the pain of experience and the joy of experience. And slowly this trust starts to form. And then we go to deeper, deeper levels of trust and, um, and vulnerability. And, and when I do that with a woman, I've actually done it with a man too. And it's been incredible no matter whether it's a man or a woman. I've done it actually with two men. Uh, but the connections are just out of this world, and it happens so fast, and love happens so fast. And I have so many people that I've done this with now, but all these people, whenever I see them, it's just this feeling of love right away. And so the reason why I'm telling you this is that um, it just made me think about that, that when you had that connection with that woman, you um, yeah, the important thing was to feel the connection and then let go of attachment. But I would also um, just ask for what I wanted and then just let go. Whatever that, that there has to be no it doesn't have to be an attachment or meaning to that. But it's simply two human beings getting to know each other in a really profound way.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll have to try that. Maybe I'm going to give it a go. See what happens. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Give it a go. <laughs> well,
1: I've mean, been turned, how many times have I been turned down? Uh, you know, it's not, a, it's not a very high percentage because mostly I only ask women that I feel a connection with. And so one of the one of the women was actually at Inshallah, that turned me down. And what happened was that at Sangha, I had this beautiful uh, blindfolded dance with her during the Ladihan, and we stayed, I didn't know who it was, but uh, typically, I don't know if you've done a Have you done a Ladihan? Yes?
0: Um. I'm not sure. What can you maybe explain yeah. it to me?
1: Yeah, okay. It's just something that's just showed up in my life this year. And it's what it is is that a group of people, um, they put blindfolds on, and they're in a room. And, you, you know, there's facilitation about boundaries and all that. And you basically start walking around with music in the background. And when you feel someone uh, through your hands, you start to um, – dance with them however you want right with the boundaries and being able to feel their boundaries but what happened in this one um it was near the end i'm going around and i feel this um beautiful female energy like really soft skin and <laughs> like a, i could just tell like a beautiful body but then it transcended past that a physical connection and i just felt like oh my god i'm so uh, i feeling so much love for this person i can feel it back just through the whole body language of love. And, uh, and we stayed together for like almost three songs, which has never happened before. Usually you have this, you know, kind of a maybe maybe at the most one entire song, and then you just move on other people show up and, but people showed up, I could feel other people connecting with this. Um, and I thought, okay, she's going to move on to this other person, but no, she stayed with me and I stayed with her. And at the very end, um, when it was over, he's, you know, he said, okay, you can take your blindfolds off. And we were still together. So I saw who it was. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and she's just this beautiful woman and, uh, and I just let it go. I, I actually didn't ask her. I saw her the next day and I went to say hi to her, but I didn't ask her out right away. And then when I got back to Calgary, she friended me on Facebook. So I, I asked her, I asked her out on Facebook uh, asked her if she wanted to do a puja, and she she asked me what it was and I told her, and she, she, she politely declined from that. And that was the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I think to date, she is the only person that has said no to me, but I kind of still feel there's something happening between us. Cause I keep, I, I keep seeing her at her events and now her energy has changed towards me. And I think what happens is that I, that she got some of the connection that we had.
0: How do, how do you feel about, um, you know like the word predator does that come up like when you feel that energy and you're asking do you ever feel no like...
1: no i i i know what a predator is like and, and he's he's a guy that um he's in our community and he i mean he calls himself that what happens is that he has sex with every one of them and and the, a lot of women that i've met including an ex-girlfriend that i had called him a predator but i don't. I don't feel that at all about me. And I, and I know they don't feel that about me because our connection is purely about love. It's about, it has no attachment to sex or or, or what that should be or shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's why my life is so beautiful now, because I've done this with so many women and they, they can feel that, that I'm coming from a place of just wanting to explore love for the sake of love. Right. right. And, and that woman, with the two kids that, that I told you about that, says that I inspired her to communicate with her kids. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where it's come from. I haven't even kissed her. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I kissed her on the <laughs> cheek the other day. That's about it. I, th- I think there's some, there's sexual attraction there, but I haven't even gone there yet. And I think that's one of the healing things for her is that she knows I'm not just after sex. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm exploring love with her, and, you know? And so, yeah, I don't, I don't feel uh, um, any kind of, uh, what feelings of being a predator at all around, around doing that. And in fact, I think it's the exact opposite is that, Oh my God, if I had done that, if I, if I had been that way earlier on in my life, my life would be completely different. Oh my God. So many people I, in my life that I encountered that had beautiful connections with, I would, um, I would just immediately place a judgment on that. It's just, okay, let's do the quick you know, five-second analysis, do they fit my my criteria list of a potential life partner? And I was doing that right from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And I was missing all this love in my life because of that. Yeah. So I, I, I totally encourage you to try that. Uh, <laughs> and, and I want to hear about the first time that you have a puja with a woman. That's the first meeting, the first connection.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, I've had I've had pujas with women. Um private pujas with women not just at an event um but oh yeah but yeah oh yeah but not based out of just meeting somebody brand new and feeling that energy and asking to move straight into a puja i've not done that oh okay. no it's been it's been women that i've been involved with in some sense or some way yeah
1: in february um this year uh I had, I had my first relationship after being in a relationship for nine years uh, and that broke up like, you know, a couple of years before that. And, uh, and it was with a woman who was, it was half my age and to me it didn't matter, but eventually
0: it did to her. Well, uh, can you clarify that? Because I'm sure some of the audience is like, well, if you're like. 38 what <laughs> Oh no. Oh no, we got to get into that. Well, well, oh. the thing is if you're if you're 30 and you're dating somebody half your age, that doesn't that looks even worse. Okay, so if if someone's half your age, then what? So I'm just saying maybe clarify your age a bit for the audience because I mean if you're 30 years old and you're dating 15 year old women. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, no, no, it's uh, it was it was actually fifty-eight and twenty-nine. Okay, this <laughs> is that sounds a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. If I was if I was uh, thirty, then this would be a different podcast. It'd be like America's Most Wanted or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the first the first date. Actually, I met her at speed dating, Tantra speed dating, and. Um, And you know, what? I had seen her before uh, and and we always kind of laughed about that, that she noticed me and I, in the very first meeting, but I didn't pay much attention to her. And for some reason, uh, it was only at that tantric speed dating that I started to notice her. She actually came with a friend and she sat beside me and I just felt a a good connection with her right away. So at the end of the speed dating, I decided to practice pushing my edge uh, because um, I don't know if you've been to one of those speed dating ones, but you're, Mm -hmm. you have a card to fill out and you, you say whether you, you want to have a date with the person that you just sat across and you do that for all, all the women that, that you, you sit with. Right. And then, and then, you know, a few days later, the organizer matches up all the matches Mm -hmm. and, um, and then they send out emails saying, you were a match with this person. Well, I decided that I felt a strong enough connection that I just went right up to her. I said, I'm going to bypass that whole process. And I just want to ask you out right now. And it was really pushing an edge for me. And she said, yes. And so the, the first thing that I asked her to do was to have a puja with me. And it was beautiful. Like, it was my first experience with that. And uh, it was five hours long. Uh, and we went... We went as far as we went, I think that night was, um, me just caressing her lower back. And I did that for almost half an hour. I think it was just beautiful. Um, and you know, we fed each other food blindfolded. we read each other poems. It could have gone on and on and on. It was amazing. Our second date was, um, I told her to be blindfolded in her kitchen and that when she heard a knock on the door it would there would be a a a driver there to pick her up and she's not to say a word to the driver nor will the driver say a word to her and this driver would take her to an undisclosed location and that's all i told her (laughs) and and she did it she trusted me and of course it was me she thought it might be me but she never reading you for sure and uh, so i So the first puja was at her place, the second one was at mine. And so I led her in blindfolded my house and I had the whole room set up um, with candles like that. And that's where we had our second puja, which was five hours too. Yeah. And uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful experience.
0: Yeah. Sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. And you have two things, I think, to thank for that. Uh, I think one is surrender and the other one is tantra. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, Tom. well, the, the, they're both connected because you know Fiona? Yeah. Yeah, you know Fiona. Well, mm-hmm. uh, it's because of her, so many of these experiences happen because she wanted to go to a, a puja. And I remember the first time she asked me I, and I said, well, well, what is it about? And, I, and she told me I said, oh, yeah, that sounds was really weird to me at yeah. mm-hmm. like, I don't you know, feel like I want to do that. And, um, but she was so curious about it. She wanted to go, she wanted someone to go with her support, right? She didn't want to go by herself. Well, after I read the book, she asked me again, I thought, oh my God, I have to say yes now. <laughs> <laughs> I the love, I history, right? I yeah. love those moments. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, I would, You know what? I, absolutely. Um, tantra is such a big part of my life and so many people are in my life because of Tantra. And it's all because of that one moment of surrendering. And, you know, I, and I was telling, um, this guy the other day, he's going back to school to become a carpenter and we we're just chatting about that. And he said, um, he says, yeah, he's feeling, he's feeling kind of scared about that. I said, what are you scared about? He says, well, it just feels like it's, uh, what is it's taking away my freedom. I said, Oh yeah, that's, I could see why you would say that. I said, but it's interesting because I told him about my surrender experiences, but you know, in my experience now, uh, if that was to show up in my life where, you know, and there was a calling to take to take a, 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 a diploma in carpentry, the way I would look at it is that it's actually the exact opposite. It's that whenever you surrender to something, the the chain of possibilities, the the threads and the connections that explode, that literally explode from that one decision, would take your breath away. And that one day that I said yes to Fiona and went to Tantra, I can't even list to you now, within a few hours, all the explosion of, of beautiful, loving um, experiences that I've had because of that one moment, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's the beauty of the surrender experiment is that, um, uh, quite often, it explodes into this mm-hmm. glorious fireworks display of infinite
0: possibilities. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I want to tell you a little story about uh, surrender. Um, <clears throat> before I read even met you, and uh, I was intuition has always been a big thing for me, and I went to Burning Man by myself, you know, I had Whoa. people, people telling me, Oh my God, you're going to Burning Man by yourself. Are you crazy? This could be such a dangerous place. I'm like, what do you mean? Burning Man is all about love. Like that's, that was my story I had about Burning Man anyway. And so I went there and that's what I experienced it was all love, you know, and, and, uh, anyway, one day I got woke up. This overall feeling is in me and it says today you're really going to want to say no to something. But you have to say yes. This is something you have to surrender to <laughs> and experience. Oh, I like the story already. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, okay. I said I got that message. I got it loud and clear. And uh, so th- that morning, I had got up late, and uh, I'm outside my trailer. And this friend I had met, John, stops. He's on his bike, and he stops by, and he goes, "Hey, do you know where this so and so place is?" I said, "Oh yeah." I said. I was by there yesterday and I says, by this big swing, and I said, I said, I'm going that way anyway, so I said, I'll, I'll, I'll take you along if you don't mind, and he goes, yeah, come on, so we, we go, and we're, we're there early to this event that he's going to, and we stop at this big swing, and nothing about this big swing clicks into me that this is a swingers place or anything. It's just a giant swing. <laughs>
1: Although, in retrospect, it couldn't have been more obvious. <laughs> oh, it couldn't have been.
0: <laughs> so anyway, um, John's on this swing, and I'm like, I'm like walking or just hanging around, and this place is right on this very busy corner, and this beautiful woman walks out, and she's. She's like, are you, are you guys here for yoga? And I'm like, well, no, but I woke up late today and I missed yoga. So, how perfect is this? And she goes, she goes, yeah. Well, yoga is going to start in five minutes, and there's mats here and everything if you want. So I'm like, oh, this is awesome. What I hadn't anticipated, I was going to be doing yoga. So I was wearing, um, because of the size of um, Burning Man, seventy thousand people. I, I, when I leave in the morning, I don't expect to be back until maybe six or seven hours later or something. So I had cargo shorts on, you know, things in my pockets and stuff. And um, So I set up for yoga and uh, there's about <laughs> about six people come out and um, the instructor walks out. He's completely naked. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> of course. And uh, I'm like, oh, fuck. And a couple couple of the women take off their clothes, and I'm like, shit. And uh, and he, the instructor looks at me, and he looks at my shorts, and he shakes his head. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yep. This is the moment I want to say no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, str- uh, I stripped down um, buck naked and there's like, you know hundreds of people walking by and this absolutely beautiful naked woman beside me and we're doing yoga. The opportunity wasn't just to be naked. The opportunity for me was to move into presence like I had never experienced because as, as a nude man beside a beautiful nude woman, of course my body chemistry is like, wants to wake up. <laughs> 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 and my, so, so I had to go into this presence, and this forced presence. And I honestly had never at that point in my life, ever experienced this capacity to experience bliss in the moment of now that that provided mm-hmm. me with and it was absolutely beautiful and uh, yeah it's something I, I really appreciate and it really helped me understand surrender in a different way and then after meeting you right. yeah I just drop into surrender all the time now yeah
1: oh cool that's a cool story
0: hmm. <sighs> yeah there's um There's something about surrender that has allowed me to experience life like I've never experienced it and the gratitude I have for meeting people like you and so many others that have been on my journey of, of surrender. Uh, I just want, like I meet the most beautiful, beautiful beings now like you and I'm just grateful for it. Francis. It has been awesome chatting with you. Yeah,
1: I really appreciate that.
0: I'm sure we can have another three or four hours of conversation.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, easily. (laughs) It could go on forever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.